Welcome to this week's podcast from Suncoast Church. We hope that this message inspires you and helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. We hope you enjoy this message. I'm just so, so, so proud of this community and um, seeing the sheer number of people that you've been able to help and um, genuinely bless and give to and be generous towards at Christmas time is amazing. I wanted to take a moment um, as your pastor to say thank you and to honor you. And because Christmas time is whoever you are, whether you're a church person or not, it's busy and full on and the stuff happening. And every year we try and prioritize making sure that we leverage this season to, or the season that was, to tell people in our city that they're loved by their Heavenly Father. And so many of you gave so many hours over all our different Christian initiative, Christmas initiatives from the production, which was amazing. We had more people attend our shows than ever before, um, to our Hope Hampers, obviously we just saw there, to Christmas in the Grounds and at Quota Park. And I don't know if you ever have this experience. Often when I'm driving around town, particularly locally here, and just see people on the street who seem hopeless. And I just sometimes go, what, what can we do? And then I, remind, then I remember, you're doing it. And every single week, you give so generously. We make such a difference. And so many of you volunteer so much of your time and invest into so many amazing ministries and mission that we do around our city and beyond. And honestly, just want to applaud you and say, as your pastor, how proud I am of you and how you've walked this season so, so well. And the um, love you heaps for it. So if you're new here, um, it's so good to have you part of us tonight. And I mean, great way to start the year, attending church. Maybe you've had uh, some goals in mind. And one of your ideas was, I've got to like suss out the religion, church, God thing. And that was one of your New Year's resolutions. Or maybe you're returning back from one of our Christmas shows. It is so cool to have you here. My name is Jono and my wife, Chloe, and I are the pastors here. And we just flew back in from our annual leave yesterday. So we went to Japan for Christmas. It's the first time I've done that since uh, since being pastors here. So thank you for letting us go and having a Christmas uh, as a family. It was awesome. We missed you so much. And so we're kicking off this new series tonight, Wish You Were Here. And I'm telling you right now, seeing all the events that were happening over Christmas time, we wished we were here. One of the amazing things that um, I saw when we're, and if you've been to Japan or any, uh, I guess a lot of the Asian nations there, a lot of shrines and a lot of temples. One of the things that caught my attention when we were, uh, were at one of the particular towns we went to, there's these little shrines in this village and people were flicking coins at it. Now, I had my suspicion what it was about. And so I was kind of asking out and inquiring, you know, what was this whole flicking coins at the shrines business? And it was people essentially making wishes. They had wishes for their life and they were willing to kind of flick coins at a shrine and hoping that uh, some, something would answer their prayer or answer their wish. And... And we have them, don't we? You and I have wishes for our life. We have agendas for our life. We have ambition for our life. We have things that we, we wish for. And sometimes, you know, they're small. Sometimes they're great. I know when we got off the plane and arrived in, uh, in Japan, we left the week here. It was like, you know, upper 30s every single day, 30 degrees. And so when we got off the plane, Chloe was like, oh my gosh, this is so nice because it was like four degrees in Tokyo. And she's like, this is the nicest thing. I hate the heat and I love the cold. This is the best thing. When we got off the plane yesterday and got off and it's so warm, she's like, oh my gosh, I love the heat. I hate the cold. This is the nicest thing ever. I'm so glad we lived here. So I realized no matter where you are, we're always wishing, right, that we're somewhere else. And so what are your wishes for this year? Maybe you've got goals, and maybe you've got ambitions, or you've had your, you've got your New Year's resolutions. 
well, we've got them, right? We have, we have wishes for our life. And, and maybe you don't have them for, for your own life. Maybe there's people, you've certainly probably got them for people in your world. And if we're honest, if we're honest about wishes, it is sometimes much easier for us to have wishes for others in our life, isn't it? I mean, if you think about it, if you're a student here, you maybe house share and you, you, know, you share space with other people. I guarantee if I was to ask you, do you have wishes for the people that you live with? And you'd be like, absolutely. I wish they would clean up after themselves. I wish they would stop playing their music so late. I wish they would not press snooze on their alarm like six times in the morning, right? <laughs> Anyone do that? Anyone live with someone who does that? No one. Great. You guys are amazing. So parents here, you probably got wishes for your kids, right? You wish that, why? I wish they just would not wear that or I wish they wouldn't hang out with that person. Or I wish they would stop watching that. If you're married here, maybe you have wishes for your spouse. And if you didn't know that, if you're married here, ask your spouse, what are your wishes for me? I guarantee they've got one for you, right? If you're married here, you probably, I just, I just wish, I just wish I would stop eating that all the time. Or I wish I would stop hanging out with these people, right? We have wishes. And what's amazing is it is so easy for us to identify the wishes that we have for other people. And if given the chance and if asked by someone, someone close to you or someone that's dear to you or a friend or a family member, I guarantee you would have a whole list of things that you wish for them. But here's the thing. Your wishes for other people, you don't usually have them because you're angry at them or because you don't like them. You usually have wishes for other people because you do love them and you see the potential that on their life that maybe they don't see. And have you ever noticed that someone you love or someone who's dear to you and you just, you look at them and go, oh my gosh, if you could just, if you just saw what I saw, if you just could see the blind spots in your life, I mean, I wish you could see that because things would be so much different for you. If you totally understood that that person was pulling you down, I just, I wish you could see what I see about you. And so we have wishes for other people, usually because we care for them and it's easy to have wishes for other people. But what is often difficult, what I want to talk about tonight is it's so often much harder for us to admit that there's some place that we need to be. And we can often see where we wish others saw that they were. And if they could see what you see, and if they could feel what you feel about their life, maybe they'd make better decisions. But why is it so difficult then when it comes to us? And if someone next to you asks, hey, what could I do to like, what changes would you recommend I make? And what decisions, I mean, you'd have a whole list. But why don't we do that for ourselves? And why do we find it so difficult? We see where we wish we were, but why do we have to make it so, it's so difficult for us to take those steps and make those decisions to move towards where we wish that we were? And I wonder how different 2020 would be if you and I took the time to pay attention to the people in our life who loved us and what they're saying about us what they would inform us about their wishes for you. And they have wishes for you because they love you and they see your potential. I wonder what different decisions you and I would make if we began to pay attention to what others wish for us. Because here's the thing. Once you know, then you can grow. And maybe you're wondering, oh, what is it? I really want to kind of change. I feel like things need to be different in my life. I'm telling you, if you are bold and courageous enough to ask people who care for you, what do you think I need to do when you know then you can grow. Have you ever, have you ever like found yourself annoying someone and ticking someone off and you're like, I don't understand what it is. And you're like, I just feel like, I feel like I've ticked them off and they're short with me and you, you're totally oblivious. And so you finally ask them, you're like, tell me what I've done. Have I done something? They tell you what you said or something you did. And you're like, ah, oh, I totally didn't mean to do that. Or that came out completely wrong. Because here's the thing, once you know, 
then you can grow and then you can change. And so here's what I want to talk about tonight. Maybe there's some things that you and I haven't known about ourselves. Maybe there's some things that you haven't been aware of about yourself. But when we can get to know them, then we can begin to make the changes that we need to grow in our life. And here's, here's the, real, the real catch. When you open our scriptures, particularly when you look through even the New Testament, you quickly see a narrative all the way through it. That not only do people, and you and I have wishes for those around us, but your heavenly Father, He also has wishes for you. And your heavenly Father sees your potential and sees the gifts that are on your life and sees the gold that's inside of you. And He has wishes and desires for your life too. And I wonder in all our planning and in all our dreaming and in all our wishes for this year, if you've ever wondered what your heavenly Father wishes for your life too. And like any parent that when they see their child and they see the incredible depth and what could be in their life and they go about doing the best they can to discipline them and not because they are angry with their child, they do it because they see the potential in their child. Your heavenly father, he sees your potential and he loves you. And I wonder if in 2020, you and I can turn up the volume a little bit on what God wishes for our life. So what I want to do tonight is begin by looking at a prayer that we find in the New Testament. And this is from the Apostle Paul. And I love this. This is a prayer that I've tried to pray in my own life often. And the Apostle Paul had a relationship with the church at Philippi. It's in modern day Macedonia. And he had a long relationship with this, this particular local church. And so in this letter, it's kind of very pastoral, very kind of heart to heart. It's kind of a bit sappy. But he opens up with this really nice prayer to them. And I want to pick up this conversation tonight with what he prays to them. This is from Philippians chapter 1. He says, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy, being confident of this, that he, speaking of God, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. Okay, I, I absolutely love this because as a pastor, and I'm just going to get a bit personal for a moment, I can relate to his prayer for them so much because this is often what I pray for you. And if you're someone who's not normally a church person, you're not sure kind of even in God, like you're not sure if even you believe about this. I want to give you a little insight to kind of what a pastor thinks about their own congregation. So I see Paul writing this, recognizing everyone in his church, somewhere along the way, God began a work in their life. And for you and I, somewhere in your life, you met God and He began a good work in your life. And Paul's prayer and Paul's wish for them was simply what God's wish was for them as well, that what God had begun to do in their life that He would complete it, that the, the mission God has for your life, the heart and the wish that God has for you, it isn't finished and it's not done yet. He wants to bring it to completion. I know as a pastor, often when I find myself praying for you as a church, I'm praying that what God has began in your life, that it wouldn't stop, that it, you kind of wouldn't put the brakes on it. And somewhere along the line, you're all here because something happened in your life. And you experience the reality of a loving Heavenly Father and change begin to take place in your life. And maybe for you, that happened decades ago. Maybe for you, it was only months ago or weeks ago, but you recognize it was change. Well, here's my prayer and here's my challenge for you and I for 2020 is that what God began in our life, He's not done with it yet. And if God maybe has challenged you on areas of your character, areas of your nature, areas of your attitude, even areas of your behavior, my prayer is that the good work that God has begun in you, that He would carry it on to completion. Okay, but here's the thing. It's a new year. And I don't know whether you are a uh, a, a legitimate New Year's resolution person or you're someone that just thinks, you know, in the new year, I'm just going to 
I'm just going to be good at stuff. Or in the new year, I'm going to make some changes. And then I'm just going to stop doing that behavior because it's bad. And then January 2nd comes and, oh, well, I ruined that resolution. Back, back to it, right? But it's good. It's good, right? And you don't have to wait for a new year to make plans to make better decisions for your life. Just go for it. I mean, it's, it's Sunday, January the 5th. Do it now. Decide you're going to have a January 5th resolution for your life, whatever it might be, okay? But here's the thing. We often have these goals for our life, and, and so we should, and wishes for our life. But so often they are practical things that we want to do or stuff that we want to get. So your goal might be this year, I'm going to lose 20 kilos in 20 days. Good luck. Or, or it might be, it might be I'm going I'm to finally buy that car. I'm going to finally get the girl. And so it's stuff and the things and they're cool goals to have. But notice, notice the work that God intends to do in your life. If God has a wish for you and if he has a list about your life, it's less about stuff he wants you to have or things he wants you to do. Notice where God does his work. Where does he do it? In you. And so God's wishes for you and I are so much deeper than just things or just stuff. And I want you and I, not only tonight after this series, but this year, to think beyond just our goals and our ambition for life, to be the stuff that we do and the things that we get. But to ask the question, have I actually made goals? Do I actually have wishes for who I'm becoming and for what's happening on the inside of me? Because I guarantee if you're married here, if there's people in your world that love you, you ask them, what are your wishes for me this year? It's not probably gonna be, I just wish that you would get more clothes or I just wish that you would get a better haircut. It might be that actually for me. I grew a mustache in December and my Christmas present to Chloe was shaving it off. So Merry Christmas, Chloe. I wrapped the bow around it and every, I didn't really, it was the bow. I digress. Here's the thing. Most likely if you ask someone who's in your life, what are your wishes for me? It will most likely be something about what's happening on the inside of you. It might be, I just wish you would totally realize how much everyone in your life loves you. Or I just wish you'd stop being so negative all the time and recognize you're awesome. Or I just wish you would see the potential that is bubbling beneath the surface in your life. And they're most likely wishes about things that are happening in you. And the reason is because that mirrors the image of your heavenly father. And if you're here and you're like, you're not even sure of God and you're like, geez, I don't even know about this. Look, if he's not real, if it's not real and you're just a bunch of cells, then none of this matters. But if you wish there is more to life, and my suspicion is that you kind of wish there is, if, that's, if you're here, you've got a little suspicion about this God thing. Here's the thing. The very fact that you're curious about it, we believe is a thumbprint of your heavenly father in your life because he has wishes for your life and he has desires and dreams for your life. And this year, and at the start, as Stephen said, a brand new decade. Mate, I was there when it went from 1999 to 2000, mate. Brand new millennium. Top that. So what? You, you, weren't, you were born, weren't you? What are you for? It's awesome. <laughs> were you? You're older than I thought. Yeah. And why is it that God does this work in us? I tend to think it's this. Is the reason we often find ourselves not doing the things that help us get to where we wish we were. The problem is usually something internal. It's often something to do with what we believe. And maybe there's something to do with your belief about God that's just not right. Or maybe it's something to do with your belief about yourself that just isn't right. 
But in the same way that you have wishes for your friends and you have wishes for your loved ones, your heavenly Father has wishes for you. And I wonder if we've too easily allowed the stuff we can see, our problems and our failures and our past and the stuff in our life that's broken and not right, we so easily see that. But here's something unique and here's something I wanna delve into tonight about God. If as much as we always see our problems, God always sees our potential, always sees our potential. And when we write down our list and we think about what, what's my life gonna be and who am I becoming, all these things, we often think of it in terms of our limitations, don't we? We think about, we know where we struggle and we know where we make mistakes and we know where we're inconsistent and we know the reputation we have. And if I know my past, I know the things I've done wrong. When your heavenly father looks at you and when your heavenly father speaks to you and your heavenly father leads you, he's not measuring you by the problems of your past. He's always looking and speaking to the potential that he sees on your life, his wishes for you. And what I wanna do to this tonight, like a million illustrations in scripture and history about people who were in a similar situation and they kind of they were they were kind of stuck and they were caught and they kind of had an encounter with them with God and began to bring out all the potential. The one story I want to look at tonight to begin this year is the story of a guy named Gideon. And Gideon's amazing. Gideon was the original tough guy, okay? This guy is the first dude before Leonidas and his valiant 300 Spartans. Gideon did it with 300 Jews. And this was amazing. During the time of the judges, um, the Midianites were oppressing uh, Israel. Gideon with 300 men defeated an army of 135,000 soldiers. Defeated them. Leonidas died and didn't win. Gideon won. Anyway, some of you get that reference and other you don't. I spoke to the new people here this morning. I asked them a few questions about some of the stuff I was saying. And I'm like, I do movie references all the time. I don't even know I'm doing them. And they're never funny. And I don't understand it until I realized people probably just don't watch the same movies as me. So I've got to learn to stop it. That's one of my new resolutions this year. Stop quoting movies. Am I right? Okay. Anyway, so this is the story. So Gideon's amazing, okay? So when we, history remembers Gideon as an amazing general and war strategist and judge and leader, anyone that can lead 300 men to take an army, 135,000, history will applaud. But when we first read about Gideon, he's not like this. He's not this tough looking helmet. Yeah, he's not looking like that. In fact, he's the opposite of this. And we pick up the story in Judges 6, and this is the opening sentence when we see the story of Gideon. It says, Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. So Gideon is introduced to the pages of history and the pages of our Old Testament, not as a great leader, not as someone who's brave, not as someone who's got it all together, but as a wuss, as a wimp. He was hiding out. And at this point, the Midianites were, had been oppressing for about 40 years Israel, and this guy, Gideon, he had his, was, the wine press was owned by his father. And so he had pretty much grown up in a generation of people who were scared. And he's, the generation before him had passed down their fears, had not passed faith, had only passed down fear. And here he was where he should have been threshing wheat in the open air where there's wind. And so you could separate the wheat from the chaff. Here he was in a wine press. It's not exactly wise because there's no wind in a wine press, right? He was essentially hiding in a hole. But you know what? Fear will do that to you and I. And it will cause us to hide. And the biggest tragedy this year would be for you and I to ignore the good work that a heavenly father has begun in us and allow fear and insecurity and worry to cause you to hide and to stay put. And I wonder 
As much as we see our problems and we see the issues around us and often those things can cause us to hide in holes, I wonder if we saw our life as our Heavenly Father saw us. And if we lent in and learned to listen a bit more to His wishes for our life, how differently will we go about our life? And luckily for us, we have a great example in Gideon about this very thing happening. So here he was hiding in a hole in a wine press. And here's how the story continues. So when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said to him, the Lord is with you. What do you call him? Mighty warrior. Thank you so much, Jack. I'm just going to talk to you. Okay, you can. Jack, that's a nice moustache. How long have you been growing it? Okay, it's awesome. You don't have to shave it off, do you? Great. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, this gets me because understanding the context of what was happening here, Gideon was anything but a mighty warrior. He was the worst. He was fearful. But yet as soon as God encounters him, he speaks instantly to something different that was in his life. He didn't simply point out his fears and start stating the obvious. And this can often be the wrong perception, the wrong belief we have about God. Is anytime God wants anything to do with me, all he's going to do is remind me of all the bad things about myself I already know, or all the areas I fail, or all the... God knows that you know, you're fine, okay? What God loves to do when He rocks up is remind you of what you don't know and tell you something about yourself that you've ignored. And He turns up to Gideon and says this to him, you are a mighty warrior. You're not a wimp. You're not a sook. You weren't born to live your life in a hole and to thresh wheat in a wine press. Inside of you is someone extraordinary. And here's the principle we see. As much as Gideon saw himself one way, God saw him completely differently. And as much as he did did that with Gideon, he does that with you and I. And we can so easily define our lives by how we see ourselves. We can so easily see ourselves by the problems we have and the mistakes that we make. But there's something you have to know about God and His wisdom is for you. It's he sees you and I so radically different than how we see ourselves. And I wonder if this year, if you can begin to make a decision in your life, rather than allowing your identity and your confidence and how you go about life to be defined by your problems and how you see yourself, I wonder if you start listening to what your heavenly father says about you. Gideon got raised up in a generation that says, you're all a bunch of sooks, you're all a bunch of wusses, you'll never take a Midianite, we're just going to be oppressed that whole life. And then finally, God spoke to him and said, you're a mighty warrior. Whose voice would you prefer to tune into this year? And here's the thing. What God says about you and I, this is simple, but so profound, you've got to get it. What God says is more important than what we see. What God says about your life, and we sung a song earlier tonight that I am, I am who you say that I am. That is, man, they are fighting words. That that is something extraordinary, not just to sing and not just to pray, but to actually believe for your life. And I'm telling you right now, some of the most radical change can happen, not necessarily around you, but can happen in you when you start to live by what God says about you rather than what you see about you. So what do you see when you look out in the mirror every morning? Maybe you see someone that's beat up, someone that's written New Year's resolutions before and never follows them through, someone that's always failing. And it's all good that you might see that. But what do you think your heavenly father says about you? And if he looked at a wussy young man who was threshing wheat in a wine press and called him a mighty warrior, I wonder what your heavenly father says about you. And the conversation goes on and he kind of rebuts what God said about it and says, 
with lovely manners, I might add. He says, pardon me, my Lord. Thank you for the laughs. Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all these wonders that our ancestors told us about? But now the Lord has abandoned us. We do this. We look at the things that, notice what he said here, all the things that happened to us. We associate the things that happened to us with God abandoning us. And we do it. And I get it. I definitely feel that. And when things happen to us, be careful and too quickly pulling the trigger on that somehow God no longer cares for me or God no longer loves me or God no longer sees me. He has abandoned us. Because remember, we read this prayer right at the beginning. Where does God do his best work in our lives? In us. And it's amazing when you begin, rather than just to define your life, but the things that are happening to you and around you, when you begin to let your life be led and defined by what God says about you and what God says to you, it changes everything. Over the Christmas period, I read an amazing book about, it was kind of like a biography about uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. And many of you would be familiar with um, his life or his story. He was a pastor in uh, Germany in the years leading up to uh, World War II. So he was there when uh, the Nazis were beginning to rise to power in Germany. And he was a huge outspoken critic against Hitler, against the Nazi party, um, outspoken mega. He, he was a lecturer, a university lecturer, and a Bible college lecturer. There you go, Tom. You can take inspiration from Dietrich Bonhoeffer as well. Um, and he was also a huge critic of the church in Germany. He saw his mega beginning to compromise their belief and uh, becoming a toothless tiger, essentially, and siding too much with the Nazis. But ultimately, his views and his passion and his boldness and his faith cost him his life. And he was executed in a Nazi prison three years before the end of the war. And what's amazing, though, is reading through all the accounts of those who were with him during his prison years and those who were with him during the years that he was heavily outspoken against Hitler and the Nazis, reading their accounts about his life and ultimately his prayers are remarkable. What they noticed was this, when he was in prison, and he's got a whole lot of accounts and he even wrote books when he was there, none of his prayers were centered around that somehow God would rescue him him from this mess. And he didn't look at himself finding himself in prison and finding himself unjust uh, held against his will as somehow God had abandoned him. His prayers were like this. His prayers were saying, God, would you give me boldness? And God, would you be, give me courage to be a witness here? And God, would you give me the strength to keep my character? And God, would you use me here to be a blessing to the other prisoners? And God, would you use me to help speak truth here when other people are being led by lies, right? And so there's account and account and account of all these people whose lives were impacted because of his example in suffering. And when injustice was happening, not just against his whole nation, but even against him personally, his example and his witness led people to see possibilities that there was a God who was real and a God who didn't just need to get pushed to the fringes of mysticism and somehow spooky superstition, but it's a God who can actually give someone courage and someone who could give a God who could give people peace and hope in the middle of the darkest of situations. And this is where, and I'm so convinced of it, that this is where that Christianity sits at its best, is that it's Christianity is not defined or deep and an honest faith in God is not defined by the absence of problems. Christianity is so much bigger than that. Christianity is this, is that we can know something bigger than in our problems, not just the absence of them. And maybe this year, maybe what's going to define your year more than the problems you face, maybe because you can't control everything in your life. 
and not everything in 2020 is within your grasp. But what is in your grasp is you can determine that this year you're going to let your heavenly Father continue to do the good work He's began in you. So you might be the guy or you might be the girl that walks into a room and instantly you bring hope into that room and instantly you bring joy into that room and instantly you're the person who begins to encourage other people. You might be able to control all the events around it, but you can certainly control how you're a blessing to people, how you bring courage to other people and how you can be the example of Jesus Christ in the world around you. I'm so convinced that our Christianity has to be deeper and more honest and bigger than just looking for the absence of problems because your heavenly father is interested in doing something in you. And so rather than simply defining our lives by what we hear, what we see rather, and our problems and our mistakes, we need to start listening to what God says about us. I saw this happen in a mega radical way a number of years ago when I was working in a high school in a very rough borough of London. I know this one student and everyone knew him. He was in the oldest grade in the high school. He was the most violent kid in school. He was ex- uh, extremely confident. Uh, he was very, very intelligent. And the, like, the teachers, teachers just did not like him. The students did not like him, but he ruled the roost. And so I watched from afar as I was a new staff member at the school, just how people handled him. And he was just this just angry, violent, brilliant kid. And I was like, I just go, God, you've got to give me an opportunity somehow to just, I don't know, just be there for him. And, and I looked for my opportunities. They never arose. And in fact, I still remember my first conversation with him. And he goes to me, I'm not here to be your friend, Aussie. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, but then on the last day, the last day of school, because he was smart, but I was smarter. And I found a way to manipulate the situation so that he could get detention on the last day of school with the Aussie guy. So I took him into the gym for an hour after school. I worked his tail off until he was worn out because he had to try to keep up with me and it broke him. So, you know... <laughs> Jokes, just jokes, guys. Come on. And, um, but finally, I was like, I had a moment. He's kind of walls were down a little bit. So I was like, I'm going to, just, I just went for it. And I said, mate, do you know that, like, there's extraordinary leadership on your life? He went, what? I'm like, bro, I've been watching you for an entire year. And you are so gifted. And there is so much potential on your life. Do you realize do you realize how much of a blessing you can be to the people around you? Like your confidence and your charisma. And to this day, it was almost like it wasn't, but it was like seeing a physical, like scales fall off him. And it hit me. I go, this kid has never been affirmed in his whole life. And so I just went for it. And I was like, mate, you're brilliant. And you could even be the prime minister of Britain one day. And that was going a bit too far, maybe thinking back. But like, but I just started speaking to his potential. And here's the thing, you might go, well, John, that's a bit rich. No, I was just doing what our Heavenly Father thinks and says to all of us. He might have been fearful and hiding in a wine press. He was in a pit of anger. The kid had never had a father in his life, never had anyone affirm his potential. So I just started doing, calling him a mighty warrior. Now, if anyone else was listening to it, they'd be thinking, this guy's trippy. I am a little trippy, right? <laughs> so, and then I broke the law and I started telling him about Jesus. But it was my last day of school, so I figured if I got fired, eh, like... I was moving back to Australia to become a pastor anyway. Come and get me. So, so, so I told him about Jesus. And I said, mate, you can't do this today because it's against the law. But tomorrow when I'm no longer working at the school, add me on Facebook 
keep in touch and I'll help you tell you everything you need to know about faith in Jesus Christ. And it was amazing just in this one moment, just by telling him the truth about his life that he'd never heard, it began to speak louder than all the things that he'd seen was a reality and all the things he'd see about his limitation, all the problems that he was witnessing. And in the same way, guys, for you and I, this is my encouragement and my prayer for you, that you would know that your heavenly father, he has so much wishes for your life and his wishes are so much bigger than just stuff changing or the circumstances changing about your life. They're deeper and they're bigger than that. He is interested in working in your life. Maybe for you, you're new in your journey and you're early on. Maybe you're very early on. You're like, well, what are all the stuff that I do? It's not about what you do. It's about what God does and what God's working in and what God, where God wants to work. He wants to work in you. And so we find Gideon here saying, you know, you know, pardon my Lord, but are you not seeing like we're abandoned and, you know, look around. I'm no mighty warrior. And here that the conversation draws to a close. The Lord then turned to him. I love it because it's almost like God was ignoring him when he was giving his excuses. It says, then the Lord turned to him. It's like Gideon's going, but I'm in the wine press. He's like, oh yeah. And then the Lord turned to him and said, no one got that. Okay, great. Go, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Now, again, this seems crazy but this is how God works and this is how God speaks. What strength? The guy wasn't a renowned warrior. The guy, as far as we were concerned, had to lift it up a sword. The guy didn't even know what to use a wine press for. He thought you had to thresh weed in it, right? But God said, that's enough. And in your life, there's a great depth of strength. And I want you to go and fulfill what I've called you to do in your life with the great strength that you have. What strength? But here's the thing we understand about God. It's God will always speak to your potential. He'll always see inside you that there is potential. And every time the Holy Spirit wants to speak to your life, He's not simply going to speak about your problems and going to speak about where you're failing. It often can, that's why the voice of God can often sound weird to us because He's always speaking to your potential. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do this year. It's how can you and I begin to turn up the voice of the Spirit of God in our life and turn down other voices? Because if you're living your life by hearing a whole lot of voices and all they do every single day, you wake up in the morning and you are reminded of where you're wrong and where you're weak and where you're failing. And the thing, I'm telling you, that is not the voice of the Spirit of God. And you need to make some decisions this year of how do I turn up the volume of God's voice in my life? So let me give you something practical to draw this to a close. If you're someone here that is, you're not in, you're not, you haven't bought into this and you're a skeptic, I'm not only stoked that you're here, but what I want to do to give you something practical, to give this a, to give this a shot, is just keep coming back for the rest of this series. It's going to go for four weeks. So you're one week down, you don't have to endure another three. And even one of them isn't even me. It's Ross Abraham in two weeks, Simon. He's way awesome, more awesome than me. So you're stoked. You don't have to endure me for another two more times. And then you can make a decision up. But here's the thing. Come back. Because this is just one way of you turning up the voice of what we believe would be the Spirit of God speaking to you. And see what happens. What do you got to lose? Your Heavenly Father has so much incredible wishes for your life. And maybe just finding yourself in an environment like this and begin to be around people that believes what God thinks about you could just be the difference that you're looking for. Maybe if you're a follower of Jesus here and you've been following Him for some time, but you have found yourself like Gideon in a hole. And you have not been progressing in your walk with Jesus. You find your life hasn't been progressing. And you find yourself there, the opposite of what the Apostle Paul prayed. He said, I get God began something in me, but it seems that it stopped in me. 
Well, it's got to be completed. So here's what I want to challenge you to do. How are you going to turn up the voice of the Spirit of God in your life a little bit more? And maybe for you, and we talk about this all the time, it's very practical, it's just good decisions. Maybe for you, first thing in the day, when you wake up, don't reach for your phone. Reach for your Bible. And I get your Bible might be on your phone. Awesome. So do that too. But before you read anything else, before you listen to any other voice, the first voice you listen to, maybe let it be Scripture. Maybe for you, before you grace the world with your wonderful morning presence, maybe pour that out before your Heavenly Father every morning. It might only be five minutes. And just give it a shot for January. That might not sound radical, but I'm telling you, when you begin to turn up the voice of the Spirit of God in your life, things in you begin to change because He'll always speak to your potential. He'll always speak to His promises on your life. And you will start to believe something uniquely different about your world. And here's the thing. If we don't do this, and if we don't make changes, and if we don't look at, man, how can I begin to think about what God wishes for me? Here's often the most scary part of this all. And this would be the biggest tragedy for my life and your life in 2020 is if we decide to settle. I want to ask you, are you settling? Have you decided this is it for you? And this is who I am. And if you're married here, you might be saying, this is who you married. Deal with it. You know, and if you can't deal with me on my worst days, you don't deserve me on my best days. That's absolutely rubbish, right? Could you have wishes for your partner? Your spouse, parents, you got wishes, kids, students, friends, are you settling? And when you look at 2019, maybe you got great marks at uni and maybe you got the promotion at work and all those things are great. But what about who you were becoming and the work that your heavenly father wants to do in you? Have you settled? And I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you. If you've found yourself settling or if you're tempted to settle or if you've given up, progressing in who you're developing into and how you allow the Spirit of God to challenge and transform your character and, and grow you into more of an image of Jesus Christ, I want to challenge you, don't settle and determine that 2020, you're going to let the good work that your Heavenly Father has begun in you to continue to work until it comes to completion at the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's a question I want to leave you with tonight. What does God wish for me. And I want you to ask this question of yourself. And not so much what does God wish for the people around, but for you. And in all your planning and all your writing and all your dreaming for 2020, have you considered this? What does God wish for me? Who does God wish that I become? What's the things in my life that my heavenly father wishes for me? And I can, t- I can promise you this, what God wishes for you isn't that you feel judged, isn't that you feel condemned, isn't that you feel horrible for the things you've done wrong or the things you haven't yet done. I'm telling you right now, what God wishes for you is that the good work, the good work He has begun in you in 2020, He will carry it on to completion and for the rest of your life. That's what I wish for you and I'm not God. And I can only imagine how much more your heavenly Father wishes for you too. So God, we are so grateful that you care about us. What are we that you're mindful of us, that you take notice of us? It is just, it's amazing that you care about our stories, our lives, even down to the most minute detail. God, not only are we grateful for that, but we recognize we really need your help. And I'm praying for us all tonight that your voice will be so much louder than everything else in our life. Beyond just the Sunday service, beyond just the sermon or songs, but in everyday life, even tomorrow when we wake up, 
that we begin to live lives believing more about what you say about us rather than what we see is happening in and around us. We thank you that you're faithful, you love us, you know us. I pray today, particularly for people, Lord, that maybe feel like they've settled or they've found themselves in a hole of fear, maybe of worry and anxiety, and they feel like they're Gideon threshing wheat in a wine press. I pray tonight that you, how you see them would be the loudest thing ringing in their ears and their heart as they begin to walk through this year. I thank you for every person in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by what you heard and inspired to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more details, check out suncoast.org.au. Hope you can join us again on the next podcast or here at Suncoast Church.